So welcome today as we continue in the series that we've been doing for the last couple weeks called Eating the Elephant. Eating the Elephant. If you weren't here, you might be like, what in the world did I just walk into, right? Um, But don't worry, I will get you caught up for sure as we go along today. And each one of these messages, they build on each other, but you can hear them alone and it's still good information that you can take for sure. So um, it's the beginning of 2018 and I know like, well, we're actually getting towards the end of the first month. And believe it or not, most people by the end of this month, they will have given up on whatever resolutions they set at the beginning of the year, which is sad. But I don't think that's the case for us because we're not making resolutions here. What we're talking about at the beginning of this year is about our goals, our hopes, our aspirations for 2018. Not just some sort of silly resolution like, this is the year, but we're talking about a bigger picture saying, there's dreams that I have for this year. That 2018 could be the year that we accomplish that goal, that I become more like that person. And I mean, all of us, hopefully, we have dreams, we have hopes, we have goals for this year, things we'd like to hit. Maybe it's that you know financial one that we've been talking about where it's, you know, this is the year we want to get out of debt or we want to start saving money, or maybe for you guys it's, it's something family-related. This is the year I'm, I'm really going to try to be a better father or husband or mother or wife, right? And I'm going to try to change my schedule and really focus in on this. This is what I want to be able to do. Or maybe it's changing the job, or it's, it's, you know, what I was talking about at the beginning of this year, the idea of accelerating towards your calling, what God is asking you to do, what God is calling you for, the purpose he has for you, that you begin moving towards it. And you think, this is the year that I'm going to move towards the calling God has for me. Whatever it is, we all have elephants in our lives, these kind of big, massive goals. The problem with that is that they can, they can start to overwhelm us. When we finally name the goal and we step back and we explain what it is, what can often happen is we realize how big it actually is. Before, when we're just kind of talking in general, it's like, oh, well, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do this. But then once we actually name it, we're kind of overwhelmed. We step back and go, oh my goodness, how am I going to accomplish that, right? How would I do that? How would we get there? And when we get overwhelmed by the goal that sits in front of us, the hope that sits in front of us, the dream that sits in front of us, often we don't know where to start. No clue, right? We don't know where it's finally going to end. We don't even see the end of what this goal or this dream is. And to be honest with you, we don't know if we have the energy to do the work in between. And that's what can happen. And in the concept for this, by name the series, What I Did, is because when there's one of these gigantic goals or dreams or, or projects that sit in our life, people will use that joking statement. It's like trying to eat an elephant because it's this, this monster that sits in front of us. And that, I think, is the perfect depiction of what it is. Like I said, if you were here, you saw this. This is the actual silhouette of an African bush elephant. Not exaggerated, not blown up to impress you. This is the actual silhouette of that animal. Over 11 feet tall at the shoulders, 13,000 pounds. It is a monster. And that's what our dreams and our goals can feel like. I mean, just this, this massive monster that we think there's no way we could handle that thing. It's, it's scary. It's dangerous. I don't want to come too close to it, right? And then the idea of like, well, you're going to kill this thing and you're going to eat it. And you're like, that's not possible, right? Like it kind of is a, a perfect symbol of, of the, that dream that we have, that hope that we have trying to tame that thing, kill it and eat it. Well, that statement, it's like trying to eat an elephant. Of course, the answer to that is how do you eat an elephant? You eat it one bite at a time. 
And although that just seems like a silly throwaway statement, there's genius inside of this because what that's referencing is what I think is one of the the least focused on things that we do. And we said at the beginning of the year, we think about all these dreams. And it's the amazing potential of this powerful thing called incremental progress. Incremental progress. It's the idea of being able to add up little things into a big things that these small things laid back to back to back turn into big things. And that's what we've been talking about these last two weeks. We kicked off by just talking about the idea that when it comes to eating your elephant, whatever yours is this year, whatever your goal is, and I mean, I'm hoping through these messages to really try to push you towards also accelerating towards your faith. That's my goal for all of us, right? Accelerating into God's purpose for your life. But you could apply this to any of those other areas. The weight loss, the financial, you know, relationships, whatever it is, you have this elephant. And we talked about the idea how even though it seems huge, small bites finish big meals. Small bites finish big meals. It's about these little things and how often the smallest things have the biggest impacts. We talked about how us changing things like our habits, which are the tiny little things we do every day, can have the biggest effect towards our success. We talked about those keystone habits and the idea of instead of thinking about the end, we talked about thinking about the beginning, the idea of working on input goals instead of output goals and just keep good inputs into this. Keep taking those small bites and it's going to take us to the end. In week two, to recap, we, we started talking about the idea that wherever you're at in regards to this elephant, whatever it is, the big thing that you have to keep in mind is just taking your next bite. That it's not about the first bite, it's not about the last bite. The most important bite is always your next bite. It's always just that next thing we can do, that next step. That we're never at a place where we can't take that next bite. And when you don't know what to do, you don't have a clue how to accomplish everything that sits ahead of you, we just say you do what you can with what you have where you are. It's just about your next bite. Keeping your eyes on your plate, not looking at what everyone else is doing. Don't try to compare your bite to the other people. You just take your bite and keep moving towards it. And if you keep doing that, you'll accomplish it. Now, I think those things are good. And hopefully you started eating. Somebody, man, we start, we start eating this elephant, right? Some of you guys, you've been taking small bites. I've had people me- like, you know, message me or catch me and be like, thank you because I've had so much crazy stuff going on in my life at the beginning of this year, and I just keep reminding myself, small bites, small bites, right? Don't worry about the end. Just focus on the little things right now. This is what's going to get us through. But what I want to do today is I want to give you one more tool, because that's what this is for, okay? I want all of you to actually complete your goals this year. I want you to be able to accomplish those dreams. I want you to be able to finish off eating your elephant in 2018 and not fall behind. But this is the last thing, the tool that I want to give you today to make sure that you not only start eating, but that you keep eating and you get to finish your elephant, whatever it is, okay? In the beginning of Jesus's uh, ministry, we kind of have these, these four eyewitnesses who talk about Jesus' life. And it's kind of cool in the Bible, which is this library of books on faith, right? We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they tell the story of, of Jesus' life uh, from a couple of eyewitness perspectives, from guys who went behind and, and basically collected all the information from all the witnesses and put it together like a, like a gospel like Luke. And they give the picture of what Jesus did when he was here on this earth. And Jesus' beginning of his ministry, I believe, 
holds the secret, the last key that we need to do, we need to put into our life in order to be able to really complete and eat our elephant in 2018. All four of them tell the exact same story of Jesus and how he started in ministry. And and what's cool about this is most people don't think about um, Jesus's calling and how important it was because we just think, oh, well, Jesus is God, right? But you have to remember, Jesus said that when he came to earth, even though he was God and he came to earth as man, it says that he emptied himself of his divinity. So while he was here on earth, how he was functioning was as a human being like you or I, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that he wasn't leading into his divinity, he was functioning as we would, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So he comes, and he starts his ministry at age 30. At 30 years old, Jesus comes onto the scene and begins his ministry, but he was going to be murdered only three years later. Jesus was murdered at 33 years old. Now listen, Jesus is coming with the most important mission in the history of the universe, The most important calling in the history of the universe, that he's coming to earth and he knows, I not only have to come and pay for these sins, that I have to live this perfect life and exchange my life for theirs, because that's the story of the gospel, that Jesus lived the perfect life we couldn't live, and then when he was was murdered, that he ended up paying for our sins because he had none, so that we could be rescued from that and restored in relationship with God. But not only that, Jesus had to start a movement while he was here. Because it wasn't enough that he would just do that. He had to create a movement that would carry forth that knowledge to the entire world. He had to start something that would bring about that good news all throughout the globe. And he had only three years to do it. Talk about an elephant of a calling, right? You need to step into this, do this miracle work, start something that's going to last, take over the entire world. you got three years to do it. And this is before, like, Twitter was even invented, right? I mean, you talk about an elephant that sat in front of him that he had to accomplish. And listen, okay? Jesus shows us wisdom in this. All four of them show the same picture of how his ministry kicked off. And I want to read it to you out of Mark. Because one of the things that's cool about Mark's gospel, if you're ever interested in reading one, Mark compressed everything down kind of to the shortest amount. He made it really quick. I mean, it reads like an action film, right? It's like cut out all the details in between, hit the main points, let's get through it, right? And at the beginning of this, in Mark 1, 9 through 20, we see Jesus beginning his ministry. And it's the same in every one of the gospels, the same story. It says this. One day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. And John baptized him in the Jordan River. So that's the guy named known as John the Baptizer. He came before Jesus preparing the way. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. The Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals and angels took care of him. Later on, after John was arrested, that John the baptizer, Jesus went into Galilee, that's like his hometown, his home area, where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and they followed him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. And he called to them at once and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. And stop there. 
Mark tells us the story of the beginning of Jesus's kind of formal ministry. And all three of the other gospels tell the exact same story. Jesus turns about that age, about 30. He comes to this guy named John who is kind of preparing the way for him. He gets baptized there and it's kind of this moment where it's like kind of like the empowerment from God where like the Holy Spirit descends on him. God speaks from heaven and says, you're my son. And basically it's kind of this divine moment. Jesus then steps out and he goes to a time of fasting and prayer. And in that, God begins to kind of think, I develop all the stuff inside of him, prepare him, get him ready for everything that was going to happen over the next three years. It was also a moment where he kind of had to, I mean, stand up under the weight of the enemy trying to come and attack him. He goes back to his hometown and he kicks off his ministry. He reads the scroll in his hometown where he was at, where he's at a home region at least. And he basically says, listen, Forever, we've been reading these scriptures and it's been talking about how there's this man who's going to come. He's the Messiah. He's going to bring about this change. And he says, today, this prophecy has come true. It begins now. The ministry is formally kicked off. I'm here. It's going to change the world. I'm the Messiah you've been looking for. And he makes that announcement, okay? Kicks off the ministry, starts eating that elephant. And the very next thing he does in every one of the stories is he goes And he builds a team. The very next thing he does after saying, let's start this, it's beginning. The very next thing every time is that he walks out of there, he heads down by the lake, he finds these guys and say, come with me because we're going to go and we're going to change the world. I'm going to teach you how to reach men instead of catch fish. We're going to go and we're going to change the world. Follow me. And listen, there is genius inside of this. And this is what I want you to get. The last key I need you to get. If you're going to eat your elephant in 2018... Don't eat alone. Don't eat alone. What Jesus was showing us is he had this amazing calling. I mean, and he was Jesus. I mean, I mean Jesus, right? There's nothing you can put above that as far as smart, wise, strong, awesome. I mean, he was the guy, the most wise in the universe, all of that, right? Yet he knew if we're going to do this, if we're going to eat this elephant, if we're going to accomplish this massive task, first thing I need to do, I need to build a team. I'm not doing this alone. I need to have people with me so we can develop something and work on this together. Jesus was identifying something that's genius that's been talked about actually inside of the Bible in these old ancient texts long, long, long before. There was this other guy named Solomon. And Solomon was the wisest man on earth. And I mean to say Jesus was smarter than him, but of course he was divinity come down into humanity. But Solomon was just an average person like you or I, except he was insanely wise. In fact, he was the king of this old Jewish nation, right? And in that time, he became insanely rich because he was so smart. Not only that, he was so wise that other kings and other leaders would come travel to him to ask him questions because he could always solve their problems. He could instantly see the solution that they couldn't see. The guy was just exceedingly wise and he wrote actually books that are still in our Old Testament Bible talking about the wisdom that he has. And listen what he says about this subject in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, one of his books that he wrote. He says this, two people are better off than one. They can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked, it can be defeated, but two can stand back to back and they can conquer. Three, actually, are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily 
broken. Solomon, wisest man on earth, he says, in all the wisdom that I have, one of the things I would definitely want you to understand is that when you are alone, you are weak. He says, you can easily be overpowered. But what I've seen in the wisdom that I've watched in the world that I've surveyed as far as being this world leader is that when you get two people together, Man, they're way, way, way stronger. They can watch each other's back. They kind of guard each other's, you know, insecurities from behind. They're watching. They're looking for each other. And he says, you put three people together, that's almost unbreakable. When you put three people together, it's impossible to overwhelm. There's something about when you put that, those people together. And listen, he was talking about something thousands of years before we would ever coin a word in the business world or, or in, the, in the productivity world, and it's one that you've probably heard before, but thousands of years before that, he already knew this wisdom and was already talking about it, and it's the principle of synergy. The principle of synergy, not energy, synergy. If you've never heard that word, it means the idea that when you bring people together, what can happen is you don't just get the sum of their energies it actually multiplies. So if you put three people together, it's not just the addition of their three energies. Their energy actually multiplies and accomplishes more than what their individual energies would accomplish. We see this in tons of different places around the world. You've seen it in probably places you work. One of the, the places that I, I know I've read about it, it's just amazing, is not quite as, you know, monstrous as the bush elephant but there are these amazing animals named belgian draft horses and if you've ever seen them i mean they make like a normal horse look like a dog right i mean they are gigantic monsters who are used as these working horses to be able to move stuff and these horses believe it or not they can pull some of them up to almost eight thousand pounds I mean, these things are just beasts in regards to how much muscle they have. But what they found is, if, if you take one Belgian horse, you harness them up, they can pull almost 8,000 pounds. If you take two of these draft horses, you end up training them together, linking them together with the right harnesses, and you put them together and have them pull something, they don't pull 16,000 pounds, they pull nearly 24,000 pounds together. What they found is when you put them together, it's not as though you just add their two energies together. It actually multiplies because there's something about harnessing them together and them working in step that they almost counteract for the little insufficiencies of each other and they accomplish way more than they should on their own. I see this in regards to just, just work. Anybody who's, who's ever worked on a project, I mean, for me, a lot of my life, I've spent working with my hands. Uh, I rebuild engines for a living. We have a family business where I've done that. I've worked construction with guys, helping them do stuff like that. And I know this, this situation to be true, where if you get two or three guys who understand how to work on a project together, now, not like two or three guys who are like just standing around wanting to watch one guy work, because that happens a lot, right? <laughs> two or three guys who actually know what they're doing and want to work together, what can happen is amazing. Like, for instance, my father and I, we've worked together for years and years and years on projects where we work together on stuff. We don't talk anymore. You don't have to talk anymore. You know what the next step is, and you can just work. If my dad was to work for an hour on a project, then stop, then I was to work for an hour on that project, and then stop, we would not accomplish as much as if both of us just worked on that same project for one hour. We would get more than two hours worth of work done in one hour because when we are working together, there's synergy. You work faster because someone's helping you in the details. You've seen this when you have crews of guys who work together and they really get it. All of a sudden, like a construction project, they can be way out ahead because instead of it just being you know, one person working, another person working, when they put their energies together, there's this synergy where it multiplies. 
This principle is true in multiple areas of our life. And I'm telling you, it's true in regards to the goals, to the hopes, to the aspirations you have in your life. There's power to inviting people to circle up and to share these goals and work on them together. Here's how I want to say it, okay? Three people will eat three elephants faster than one person will eat one elephant. Three people working together to accomplish their three individual goals will work faster, will finish off the project sooner than one person just focused on one goal. There's power, there's synergy in getting together with other people and building that team. Jesus knew it, Solomon knew it, business leaders know it nowadays. There's this potential when you put people together. Now, I know, I say don't eat alone. And some of you guys right away, you push back on me because the first thing you think is, well, this is my elephant. I don't need any help eating my, it's my elephant, I got this, right? I got this, I'm self-sufficient, right? Some of you guys especially, right? I mean, girls, you guys can be just as prideful too, to be honest with you. But guys especially, we just think this is so cool, right? I don't need anybody's help. I'll take care of this elephant myself. I like big meals. I can do this, right? And we, we're a fool. We're sitting there looking at this, this monster sitting in front of us saying, I got this. I can do this. I don't need anybody. Some of you women might be the same thing. Maybe you're that self-sufficient person. Maybe the world kind of made you that way. I know that's a lot of times what happens. People who seem like they're so prideful, man, so often they talk big games and you get them alone. You realize, man, they're just terrified. It's just talk. Somebody hurt them. Someone didn't help them. And all of a sudden, oh, I got this on my own. I can do this. I don't need anybody. I, got, I, I can finish this elephant. And we want to take that as, as some sort of badge of honor because in our society, pride is, is, is often puffed up as something that's a positive. The Bible talks about pride as a negative. As a negative. Listen what the writer of Proverbs says. It says, pride ends in humiliation. Humility brings honor. He says, pride, that thing, I can can do this on my own. I got this. I can finish this elephant. He says, that'll take you to a place where you'll be humiliated because you're not going to be able to do it on your own. You see the problem with pride? Listen to me. Pride will take you to the same place stupidity will take you. But when you get there, no one's going to feel sorry for you. Because if you're stupid to the, to the answers and you just didn't know it, and you got there, people would go, well, you know, I mean, he didn't know any better. She didn't know any better. You know, I mean, no, you know, it was hard. Did you see the size of that? I feel bad for them. They weren't able to make it. They ended up in this place where they're kind of just embarrassed and humiliated because they didn't get there. But I mean, you know, what could they have done? But see, pride will take you to the exact same location. But when you get there, people will go, I don't feel bad for him. I don't feel bad. We tried to offer help a hundred times and they said no. People tried to help them out and they kept saying, no, 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 I got this. I got this. And it takes them to the exact same place where people go, I don't feel bad for you. There were a ton of people that wanted to help and you wouldn't let them because you were too prideful to be able to do that. Pride will will take us to that same place as stupidity. But when we get there, no one's going to feel sorry for us. You see, pride, that idea of thinking, I got this, I got this, I got this. We're so worried about asking for help or accepting help that's offered to us because we think that's going to be an indicator of my own weakness. Friends, accepting or asking for help when you are trying to eat an elephant isn't inviting the fact or or announcing the fact that you're weak. 
It's indicating the fact that you're wise, that you're smart, not that you're weak. You're smart enough to say, there's no way I'm finishing this on my own. I need people around me to help me be able to accomplish this goal. I need people who have my back when I feel weak. I need people to walk this out with me to be a part of this because there's no way I can finish this on my own. If you're starting on something this year and you have one of these goals, like if, if you've set, that's my thing for 2018, and you haven't shared that with your spouse if you're married, you're being a fool. That pride of thinking, well, I just got this. I don't want to tell that. I don't want to burden that. Friends, the whole reason why we're in these relationships, why God wants marriage to be part of our life, he's the one who designed it. That's not the world's design. It's God's design to bring people together. You're supposed to share that with your wife, share that with your husband and say, listen, here's my thing. This is what I'm going for. And, and I want you to be here with me on it. I need you to encourage me when I'm weak. I need you to ask me how I'm doing on this. I want you to walk in it with me. If you have something, I want to be a part of it too. That's why we're together on this. For your friends, for your your family that are around you, it's sharing those things that you're going towards and admitting the fact that I'm smart enough to realize this is such a big goal. I need people walking along with me as we go towards this. Telling you, that's, that's wisdom. Wisdom, not weakness. Now, some of you, you actually have the same basic mindset, the idea that when I say, don't eat alone, don't eat alone, don't eat alone, you have the same exact mindset of thinking, no, I, I, can't, I can't start all those relationships, I can't do all that. But yours isn't pride. Yours is the fact that you think, I don't have any time for anyone else's elephant. You have an, an issue of, of selfishness, and maybe it's not the fact that you're really a bad person, but you look at your situation, you survey your elephants, and you go, uh, Cameron's going, oh, you need to be part of a you need to have friends, you need to do this, and you go, are you kidding me? I do not have time for friends. I don't have time to be friends with people. I don't have time to talk about these things. Did you see the size of that elephant in my life? I'm so overwhelmed, there is no way I have time to be making relationships and talking about friends. All I, have to, all I can do is just keep taking bites and bites and bites. This is so overwhelming, there's no way that I can take my eyes off the prize for one minute. The idea of even talking to someone else about their elephants, I lose my mind. There's no way I can do that, I have no time for it. And I would say that you're right. I would say that you're right if... If, if, if you actually think that you are the only person responsible for eating your elephant. But let me, let me step back for a second and say this, okay? If you think that you're going after something and that, that you have a relationship with God, that you, you've developed this, we talked about the idea that God has purpose in your life and that God is walking you towards things, that maybe the, the goals that you have are God-honoring goals and that you believe that God is going to be some part of it, then listen, if you think that God is going to help you along the way, that he's going to give you the gifts, if you're praying for this, I mean, if you're not praying about this thing and you just think, no, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine, then yeah, you probably don't have time to be with somebody else. But listen, if you've even taken the step to look at that goal and to ask God for help, then you don't have time not to be in community. You don't have time not to have these relationships. Because listen, there is something amazingly powerful that's hidden here in the scriptures that, to be honest with you, I've heard people talk about this subject over and over and over again and always miss. That when we talk about the idea of having God's help 
that God would give us the strength or God would give us the, the opportunity or he would give us ability we would not normally have. And that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that God gives us spiritual gifts. And a gift is just that. It's not something we earn, but that God will give us ability that we have not necessarily put in enough time to have. He'll give us faith more than we should necessarily have. He'll give us strength more than we necessarily should have to walk through these hard times, to be able to eat these elephants. And that's the promise in God's word. It's a gift, right? Same idea. We don't earn it. It's not given to us because of that. Like Same situation with me and my son, right? My son, he takes and sleeps, kicks me in the back, Smashes his head into my spine all night, then wakes up, takes a big old poop, smiles at me, and then I give him free gifts. (laughs) That's our relationship, right? That's what we're talking about when we talk about spiritual gifts. We don't do anything, to be honest with you, that's usually our contribution to the situation between us and faith, right? Yeah, don't do that. Yep, here, change me, right? I'm a mess. God comes and says, but I want to give you gifts because I love you, because I want to help you accomplish these things. And if we believe that, there is a critical component to this that people missed. Okay, and here, I want to share this with you, but I need you to, I need you to lean in because I've heard this talked about. People miss this over and over again. I don't want you to miss this because this is so important when we think about the idea that God is going to help us eat these elephants, that we're praying for something and we're believing it. Okay, so I need you to lean in. Do you want to hear this? No, you don't? Okay, should I go? Should I? Okay, okay, awesome. First Peter, Peter talks about this idea, and listen what he says, because there is genius inside of this, okay? First Peter 4, 10 through 11. God has given each of you a gift from his variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. He says this, do what, do you have the gift of of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. God promises that he will give us spiritual gifts. Okay. But listen, I've heard spiritual gifts taught thousands of times in my life, and people always miss the second half of what this statement says. They'll say, you have goals in your life, you have dreams in your life, you have elephants you want to eat, you need to pray to God to give you the spiritual gifts you need. He'll give you gifts that you don't deserve so you can accomplish those goals, so that you can eat those elephants. Wrong. Wrong. That's not what the verse said. He says he will give you spiritual gifts to serve one another. Listen to me, okay? This is what's hidden in here, what people always miss, and this is why it's so important. Check this out. The spiritual gift that you need, that you need to accelerate, to speed up eating the elephant in your life, is found in someone else, not you. The spiritual gift that you need that's going to speed up towards your goal, that's going to continue where you can eat that elephant, it's not in you and God's not going to give it to you. He gave it to someone else and you're supposed to be in relationship with them. God designed us to share our lives with other people and the secret to you finishing off your goal is in another person who's going to be with you, come alongside you, your spouse, your friend, a group leader, somebody in a group with you. And the gifts that he's giving you, they're not the secret to you finishing off your elephant. They're the secret to you helping someone else finish off theirs. 
He says, I give you spiritual gifts. I will give you strength you don't have, faith you don't have, courage you don't have, but I gave it to you not for your elephant, for someone else. And that's why you're supposed to be together. God did this. He gave your gift to someone else because we are meant to put our lives together and be in community. That's our God, Trinity God, three in one, that we are never meant to stand alone thinking that it's only us, that we're meant to live in this community. Friends, if you want to eat your elephant in 2018, listen, you're not too busy to not have friendships. You're too busy not, I'm going to mess it up. You're not too busy where you can't have friendships. You're so busy that you can't not have friendships, right? Because you need spiritual gifts. You go, I got so much to do. There's no way I have time. And I go, you don't have have enough time not to have those friendships. Don't you want God to help? Yeah, I'm praying. Then you don't have time not to be in relationship with people. The gift that you're looking for, it's in someone else. You're not going to find it in yourself in order to accomplish this. If you want to do that, you're not so busy that you can't, you know, ah, there's no way I have time for friends. There's no way I have time for this. No, no, no. You don't have enough time not to. Each of us have these, these elephants. And listen, this is why I did this series at the beginning of this year, because listen to me, okay? 90% of people, 99% of people this year are going to accomplish zero of their goals. Zero. A great percentage of people who are sitting in places like this on a Sunday morning who believe that God has a calling and a purpose for their life are going to accomplish zero in 2018. And I want better for you. I don't want you to see whispers and dreams of what God's calling you to. I don't want you to see things that God's pointing out where he goes, this is something that if you get this under control in this year, the blessings could be astronomical. uh, astronomical. This is something that if you get figured out, I can't even tell you where you're going. But if you could do it, we could get there. But so many people are going to get nowhere in regards to those things this year. And I love you too much to just say, oh, just sit there and be comfortable. Friends, this is the, this is the secret. Would you, would you look at that, that goal and would you, would you eye it and then go, we can do it. Bite by bite by bite and only, only if I'm willing to bring some other people alongside me and not eat alone. Some of you guys, you're the, you're the prideful people. And, uh, and, and you naturally push back against this. I can eat my own elephant. I'm, I'm good. I, I can do it. And listen, listen. It's going to take you to the exact same place as stupidity. The same place. Someday soon there'll be that moment. Why not become wise now? Not find out the fact that you're, you know, you're, you're up to here and you're choking on this leg and you haven't even got into the body and all of a sudden people are like, man, I've been offering to help forever and this guy will never take my help. She'll never take my help. You know, it's, it's so sad because we, we've already went past this and, and people who are joining their lives together are already crushing these and, and killing these elephants and eating them and moving on. And here you are, just, just keep trying to eat on your own. And you look foolish someday, but then people aren't going to feel sorry for you because they go, we, we offered a, a thousand times. Why are you too, too prideful to be able to do that? Some of the, other, the rest of you, you're that person. We're honestly, still, as I'm saying, don't eat alone. Don't eat alone. It's about relationships. It's about friendships. It's about being part of something. You just feel so overwhelmed. You're like, I have no time. I have no time. And friends, that is the enemy lying to you, trying to keep you away from the spiritual gift that you need. The enemy lying to you, trying to keep you away from the gift that you need that's in someone else that's going to lead you to the place where you can finish off 
your elephant. Share with your spouse, share with your friend. And seriously, I know it just sounds like it's a sales pitch, but it's not. Join a group. Join a group. That's why we do them. The majority of us, we do not have an amazing support system of people of faith right around us in our family or our friends. We started off in our faith, and for a lot of us, our story is we're kind of the weird one, right? The one who's working on our faith, and everyone else kind of laughs and points at us and says, oh, that's the weird one. They, they stand out. They're kind of the black sheep. Oh, you know, they're trying to do this, trying to do this. And what you need is, is you need new people around you who are actually trying to eat those same elephants that want to walk with you. A lot of times, those, those old friends you have, it's not that you have to, like, kill them off and not have any friendship with them, but they're not the people who are eating elephants with you. They're walking in completely the other direction and you need new people to surround yourself with. The spiritual gifts you need to be able to accomplish it. It's sitting two rows behind you, two rows over, and they're waiting to be in a group with you where they go, I'm happy to help you eat your elephant. If you'll help me eat mine, let's walk on this together. And there is so much joy in it. I can tell you from experience walking with other men in groups and seeing them being able to eat those elephants and accomplish them, it is the most exciting thing in the world. You go, well, that wasn't your elephant. And you go, no, but it felt like it when I saw that brother walk through it. When I saw them accomplish that, walk out of that addiction, walk into that situation, heal that marriage, felt just like it was mine too, and I got just as much of a rush out of it. If you want to eat the elephant in 2018, you cannot eat alone. Don't eat alone. If you want to eat the elephant in 2018, you're part of Acts. You go, this is my, this is my church. Friends, listen. You have too much to do to not be in a group. You have too many steps to take. You have too much to accomplish towards your calling this year to not be in a group because that is where God's going to meet you with the spiritual gift that you need. Pray with me. God, I'm so thankful for everything that you're doing in so many people's lives. I ask Jesus Christ that you would, you would help us in a moment like this because I think for a lot of us, we're not, we're not good at relationships. We don't naturally answer problems that way in our mind. And God, maybe for some of us, we, um, we're that person where kind of our whole life, no one's ever helped before, so we just have always been that person to say, I'll just do it on my own. God, I pray right now that you would just break open our hard hearts. Maybe some of us, we've been hurt before by people. We've been hurt by friends and we've been hurt by family. And we're scared that if we open up again that we're going to get hurt again. And I pray that you would, you would bring new courage inside of our hearts to try one more time. To step out one more time and see. Because I believe that through this community, through people being brought together, you're going to reveal the gifts that are necessary in order to be able to accomplish goals that seem impossible to finish eating elephants in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.